right, welcome to Heart of the Matter. I'm Sean McCraney, your host. First and foremost, our blog is up. Continue to post on that. It gives us a lot of ideas and insights as to what you're saying and thinking. Last week, we were cut off because of a technical difficulty. Right when I was saying that I appreciated my wife, it was her birthday and I was wishing her happy birthday. And that's what you missed. So it wasn't any earth-shaking news. A lot of people were curious. And uh, that was the extent of it. What? She's here? She's actually here from Southern California? I can't believe it. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, I have the distinct pleasure of introducing to you Cassidy McCraney, my middle daughter. Cassidy. Hello. Yes, yes. Cassidy came up. She went to Heart in the Home with me last night in Brigham City. She's seen what her dad does for the first time. She thought I just came up here and pulled beats. But now she's under the impression that I do something else, and she's had a great time. Cassidy, you having fun? I'm having so much fun. Oh, good. And I love you. I love you, my girl. Hey, do you uh, want to do a shout-out to anybody? Yes, I want to say I love you to Dadder and Mom and Delaney and Mallory and AJ. And I want to say hi to the Gordon family in Park City. Yeah, Gordon's Park City, Utah. Good family. Christian family up there. We love them. Yeah. Anybody else? No. She has her time in the, in the sun here. She doesn't give you anything but that. I love her to death. Thanks for being on, babe. All right, we'll see you. Let's start with a prayer. Heavenly Father, please be with us, Lord. Help me to uh, remember why I'm here and to die to myself and say the things you want me to say. Bless the callers, the viewers, the operators, and uh, everybody who is searching for a personal, intimate relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. They say that he speaks for the Lord. They say he is the only person on earth who holds all the authority to act in God's name. They say if you follow him, you will not go astray. That he speaks with God today as Moses spoke with God yesterday. They say he is a prophet and a seer and a revelator. Who is he? The LDS call him the prophet. The first prophet of the LDS Church was named Joseph Smith. They sing a song in their chapels that I haven't sang for, for probably seven or eight years, and yet when I sat down this afternoon to recollect what I would say, this came to my mind. Praise to the man who communed with Jehovah. Jesus anointed that prophet and seer. Blessed to open this last dispensation, kings shall extol him and nations revere. Then you go to the chorus, hail to the prophet, ascend into heaven, traitors and tyrants now fight him in vain. Mingling with gods, he can plan for his brethren. Death cannot conquer this hero again. Brigham Young was the second prophet in the LDS church. Since 1830, there have been a succession of men who have held the LDS position of prophet seer, and revelator. At the last LDS General Conference in October, the Latter-day Saints in the Conference Center stood and sang to Gordon B. Hinckley, We thank thee, O God, for a prophet to guide us in these latter days. Are prophets like unto Moses, needed to guide believers of Jesus in these latter days? 
Does the Bible support the idea that prophets like Moses and Elijah would continue to lead the body of Christ after the death and resurrection of the Lord, supposedly speaking with God and bringing forth new revelation to the world? Or is this another religious construct aimed at keeping better control of the masses while providing a tangible living substitute to the invisible God? From a very young age, the LDS children are inculcated with pictures, talks, and lessons and songs on the importance of following the prophet. They sing, follow the prophet, follow the prophet, follow the prophet, he knows the way. Follow the prophet, follow the prophet, follow the prophet, he knows the way. It's a powerful song. It has some, Hebrew, some kind of Judaistic rhythms to it and, and, and sounds to it. It's a very powerful song, and, it, and they teach them that. And, and quite frankly, in the latter days, the LDS prophet has not led them astray. He's represented good morals and good values. When Cassidy, the girl you just saw, could barely sing, she put hand signals to that song in their primary at church. Follow the prophet. Follow the prophet. And all the kids continue to do that today. It's an interesting thing. The pictures and lessons about the prophets on a quantitative basis far outweigh the pictures and lessons of Jesus in the LDS church. If that offends you, I don't care because it's the truth. My wife has been in primary for the past 25 years. My mother-in-law has been in it for I don't know how long. Quantitatively, modern-day prophets and apostles, their histories, their biographies, their life are taught far more than Jesus. This has got to change. Entire years are spent learning about the modern prophets' childhoods, their families, their most noted contributions to the church. When criticized about having modern-day prophets like unto Moses, the LDS respond with four main arguments that justify them having a prophet today and apostles to guide them in these latter days. The first, it says in Amos 3.5 in the Old Testament, Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but, but he revealeth his secret unto the servants, the prophets. The second uh, response that the LDS has is that the apostles cast lots to replace Judas who had died uh, after Jesus had been crucified. They cast lots and they brought in Matthias to replace him as an apostle. And that was indicative that 12 apostles had to continue on in the church and that this, these offices of 12 apostles had to continue on through the church that Jesus established. Second, they read in Ephesians 4.11, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And finally, they use the oft-repeated logic that says, missionaries use this quite often, Wouldn't you believe that God loved the people when he gave them prophets like Moses in the old time? And then the investigator will say yes, and they'll say, Well, he loves us as much today. And therefore, he provides us with a prophet that leads us like Moses did. Let's look at these arguments and the topic of prophets and apostles exegetically, inductively, and by examining the word of God um, right now. um, Amos 3.5 Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servant the prophets. If God said in the Bible, don't kill, 
and then in another place he demands that someone kills, we have to look at each of those circumstances in the context of which it was given to understand what exactly was meant. Why would God in one place say don't kill and why would God in another place say kill? Are they contradictory or in, are they in context with the Bible as a whole? It is very easy to select a passage of scripture and to build an entire doctrine on it, interpreting it literally. I was introduced to the selective and literal scriptural application approach when I went on a mission to Pennsylvania Harrisburg to work with the Amish. The Amish would not chop wood. Why wouldn't the Amish chop wood? Because it says in the Bible that what God has put together, let no man put asunder. So they took that literally and selectively and said, therefore, we don't chop wood apart that God has put together. That's a literal and selective ap approach. This literal and selective approach is not good. In Matthew 8.22, Jesus said, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. Okay, does that prohibit Christians from holding funerals? No, but a literal and selective approach would say yes. You know, let the dead bury the dead. We are following Christ. Jesus said, uh, if a man should come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yea, his own life, he cannot be, be my disciple. Should we take this literally and believe that we need to hate our mothers and our brothers and our sisters uh, in order to be a disciple of Jesus? That's a literal and selective approach. Should we take literally and selectively the, uh, in context Deuteronomy to, uh, excuse me, 23.1, which says, He that is wounded in the stones or hath his privy member cut off shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Uh, does this apply today? If you've been out there playing Frisbee with your friends and you get hit uh, in the stones, as it said, wounded, can you not go into the congregation of the Lord any longer? You have to take a contextual examination of Amos 3.5 when you look at that statement. What does it mean? In that chapter, God is warning them that they are going to be destroyed. In the context of the book, he's bringing judgment to them. Verse 1 of the chapter says, Hear this word that the Lord hath spoken against you, O children of Israel. The words that follow in Amos 3 are the words of judgment God has Amos speak. The verse in question simply reminds the children of Israel that God is not punishing them without having first told them he was going to do that. He warned them. He said, I'm going to give you this punishment. And then they've disobeyed him. And he says, now the punishment's coming. And that's what Amos is telling them. The Lord God's not going to give you this punishment unless he warns you first. It is not an edict that God does, not, does nothing on this earth without revealing his secrets to the prophets. If that were true, then Gordon B. Hinckley, the prophet of the LDS Church, would know when everyone is going to die. That's a secret only God knows, right? Wouldn't he have to reveal that secret to his servant, the prophet, before he would carry that out? Or what about the secret of Jesus walking on water and the secret to the other uh, miracles? Does God have to reveal those secrets to the prophet? It says, surely the Lord God will do nothing, nothing, unless he reveals it to his servants, the prophets. Do we take that literally? Or do we take it in context? Okay. Uh, let's go to uh, the next one. Which, I'm not sure where it's at. So, we'll jump to... Okay. When uh, the, the argument comes up that 
um, the apostles replaced Matthias. They replaced Judas because he killed himself and they needed a 12th apostle. What's the uh, apologetic argument for that? Again, this might surprise you. But if you look at the scripture, what did they do? The apostles decided that two people were in the running for that position. Okay, that's the first thing. They decided they needed to replace him. Then they cast lots between those two people and they chose, chose Matthias. Let me ask you this question. What do you hear of Matthias thereafter? What did he do thereafter? He did absolutely nothing. The reason was, is the apostles were working off their own will and their own minds. They weren't commanded by God to cast lots and pick a new apostle. That wasn't part of their thing at all. They decided, they figured we're an organization. Jesus is gone. Judas is dead. There's been 12 of us. Let's get another one. And they called Matthias by lot. But if you look at the history of the church, even outside of the, of the scripture, if you look at the early church fathers, Matthias isn't found. He completely disappears. Why? Because he, it wasn't God's will to go about and do it that way, to fill that position. Did God call someone else? Absolutely. His name was Saul of Tarsus. It was Paul. And what do we read about Paul in Scripture and thereafter by the church fathers? So much you can't believe it. Why? Because God put him and called him to do that position. There is a difference there. When Matthias was called, it's not a, a functional administrative calling that the church tries to say has to occur, and they use that as an argument. Simply, God knew what he was doing. He was building his church, and he called, called Paul. All right, the next one, Ephesians 4, 11. Uh, again, literally and subjectively, it talks about him giving apostles and prophets in the early church. A few thoughts on this. Every time apostles and prophets are mentioned in the New Testament, they are mentioned as apostles and prophets, not as prophets and apostles. In the LDS church, you'll see the hierarchy is always the prophet and apostles. It is not that way in the New Testament if you use that as your guide. Why? Because apostles have an authoritatively superior position in the body of Christ than someone with the spiritual gift of prophecy. 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, the gift of healings, helps governments, diversity of tongues. Apostles are special witnesses of Jesus Christ, firsthand witnesses of Jesus Christ. That's why their ministry was so important when they were on the earth because they were with Jesus firsthand. Paul too, if you look at the account on the road to Damascus. So, do the apostles today of the LDS church, are they firsthand witnesses of Jesus Christ? Now, there's a mythology that goes around the church, having been in there for so long and listening to it, that the apostles are firsthand witnesses of Jesus Christ, that they have what the LDS sometimes refer to as their calling and election made sure, that they actually have Jesus come to them and, be, and they witness him firsthand spiritually. I have never heard an apostle say that, and, and I would think that true apostles, that you couldn't keep that information from coming out of their mouth. And that is really a big qualifier of being an apostle, being a special witness. That's what Jesus said of his apostles that he called. Our modern-day apostles and prophets, the mythology is that they speak with God and that the apostles are, in fact, a first-hand witness of Christ. If so, why don't they tell the church that? Um, it's also too important to distinguish between the office of prophet, which Moses had, and the gift of prophecy, which is what we find in the New Testament. Do people receive prophecy today? Sure. 
Are there prophets and prophetesses? Sure. Do people have the ability to receive revelation from God? Absolutely. Is there a prophet necessary today in the Christian church or outside of it that uh, Jesus wants to head up his church like unto Moses? Absolutely not. Finally, the LDS missionaries often make the statement based more on uninformed logic than anything else that God loved the people of Moses as much as he loves us today. Therefore, he would provide us with a prophet. My first response is to say, why, Elder, you're absolutely right. God loves us as much as he did the people of Moses, and that's why he sent his son. Okay, and let's, let's this, address this um, kind of laughable uh, logic that they use, that he loved Moses, the people of Moses' time with a prophet. He would love us the same, therefore you have to have a prophet with a few proofs, okay? And let's go through these, and I'm going to give you five. The first proof is the phrase, all of the prophets that is in the Bible. Listen to the way prophets are spoken of in the New Testament, okay? Luke 11.50, that the blood of all the prophets which was shed... Okay, it refers to prophets as all the prophets as though it were and was something that was before the coming of Christ. All the blood of the prophets. Luke 12, 13. And all the prophets in the kingdom of God and yourselves were thrust out, including Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Luke 24, 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets. Okay. Acts 3.18, but those things which God before has showed by the mouth of all his prophets. It's putting into context the place of prophets like unto Moses there in the Bible. It says, before God showed these things through the mouth of all his prophets. Acts 3.21, has spoken by the mouth of all of his holy prophets since the world began. Okay? Acts 3.24, yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold these days. All the prophets have foretold these days. The prophets of the Old Testament pointed to Christ. They pointed to that day. That was their purpose. The gifts of spiritual prophecy are for the building of the body of Christ. And it has nothing to do with being a prophet likened to Moses that continues to guide and lead through direct revelation like Moses did. Okay. Remember, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and he was the last prophet. There are scriptures that call him that. Let's go to proof number two, the parable of the wicked husbandman. You can find that in Luke 20, Mark 12, Matthew 21. You've got to listen to this. Listen to this in context. It's very important when you understand the topic of prophets today. What it is, is Jesus tells the story that there was a, a vineyard and, and the Lord of that vineyard, he put a, somebody over that vineyard to take care of it. And then that Lord of that vineyard would send his people in there to see how it was going. And the husbandmen that he hired to take care of it killed those people when they came or beat them and threw them at stones and stuff at them. And then finally he sends his, his own son to look at it and then they kill him. Let's just read it really quickly. Verse 33. And there was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged around about it and digged in a wine press and built a tower and let it out to husbandmen and then went into a far country. And when the time drew, and when the time of fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took the servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. 
Again, he sent other sin, uh, servants more than the first, but they did likewise unto them. This is an important verse. Listen, but last of all, but last of all, he sent to them his son, saying they will reverence my son, and they killed him. This was a parable talking about prophets foretold of him and would come and they beat and stoned and drew him out. But last of all, in the end, he sent his own son to them and they killed him, okay? That's an important parable when it comes to understanding the place of prophets. Another proof, Hebrews 11.1, probably the best proof scripturally in the Bible, perhaps no greater, Hebrews 1, 1 through 2. Listen closely, LDS people. God who at different times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. Do you have that? Spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. In the old day, times of old, he spoke by his prophets, Last of all, he speaks to us by his son. All right. Fourth proof, the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. How many 3,000 believers were there? 3,000 people are filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit fills them. John 14, 26 says, But the Comforter, talking about the Holy Ghost, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. The Holy Ghost will teach you all things. And bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. So what it's saying there is, I have spoken and the Holy Ghost will bring these things to your mind, all things. Another evidence, you don't need a, pro a prophet. The people don't need to go to Moses to find out what to do, how to live, which way to walk. We have the Holy Ghost since the day of Pentecost to lead and guide us. Again, Jesus is the way, not a prophet that steps in his place. Okay, God wants a, a, a relationship with each of you. He wants relationship, not religion. He wants you to have a relationship through his Holy Spirit based in faith in Jesus with you directly. The veil was rent in twain. We don't need any man as an intermediary any longer uh, because of God. No more high priest because of Jesus. No more prophets like unto Moses. If you're born again, your spirit operates by virtue of the Holy Spirit within you, and he's our pilot. He tells us how to live. He knows the way. Men seek the advice and trust of other men, and they give them labels in order to uh, make it easier on their decision-making. God wants you to rely on him and him alone. This is why there is more emphasis on modern-day prophets than Jesus in Mormonism today because they have arrogantly placed themselves in between as mediators between God and man. I will tell you what God wants you to do with your life and the direction he wants you to go. Listen to what I'm saying. And if it's not the prophet, it's the apostles. And if it's not the apostles, it's the stake president. And if it's not the stake president, it's the bishop. And if not the bishop, the home teacher. I want to tell you right now, God will tell you what to do in your life. Trust him and no other. Follow the Savior, Yeshua, Messiah. Follow the Savior. Don't go astray. Follow Christ Jesus, our modern-day prophet. Follow the Lamb. He knows the way. He is the way. I can't think of a better example uh, 
in looking at the whole of Scripture than this point and in showing that prophets and apostles were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The law was fulfilled in him. Prophets were fulfilled in him. And it occurs on the Mount of Transfiguration. You remember on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus goes to this mount, and there's some question on which mountain it was, and he asked Peter, James, and John to come with him. And Jesus goes to this mount, and he meets two prophets from before. He meets Moses, who established the law, and he meets Elijah, who was the prophet of prophets. If you know anything about Elijah and what his ministry was, it was amazing. The guy was showing up in places and disappearing in places and, and bringing down fire from heaven and disappearing uh, in the clouds. And he, just, he, was, he represents in the Old Testament the prophet of prophets. In some ways, Moses represents the prophet too. But those guys represented the law and the prophet. And they came and they met with Jesus. And Luke tells us, that they discussed his suffering that was going to come. And they had this conversation about his suffering. And then when Peter and James and John went and they looked um, at this cloud, this bright cloud there, uh, Peter says, should we make you know, us to be under or whatever? And uh, I guess they don't do it. It doesn't tell us what they do. And then they look again and all they see is Jesus alone standing there. Why did Moses and why specifically Elijah show up, the law and the prophets? Because it's fulfilled in him. And when they looked and saw just Jesus standing alone, that was symbolic of Moses and Elijah coming and saying, okay, we've, this is it. This is the final thing, giving him comfort, being ready to go to the cross. And that was the whole message behind those two specific prophets being there at that point in time. This was not uh, a, um, a temple endowment that was being received by Jesus or keys of authority being passed to Jesus at that time, which some people uh, tend to believe. It was Moses and Elijah representing the law and the prophets. Now, why are they important? Moses' death was very different. We don't know where he was buried. He went up into a place and he died, and no one really knew his burial place. Elijah was taken up and disappeared on a chariot into the clouds when he supposedly died or was transformed or whatever. Why the strange disappearance of these two prophets in the Old Testament and why their appearance on the Mount of Transfiguration? When Moses received the law on Sinai, the white cloud that surrounded him was there. When Elijah disappeared into the clouds on the chariot, the white shining cloud was there too. When they met Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, the white shining cloud was there too. And when they disappeared, it was him. It was Jesus. Latter-day Saints, the message is him. I don't care if you have someone you call the prophet, if that's the title you're going to give him. But I, he does not represent a prophet like unto Moses. He is not a prophet like unto Moses. He does not speak with Jesus face to face, and neither do the apostles. If they did, they would come out and say so. They couldn't help it. Their tongue couldn't be stopped. I challenge you to look at the religion for what it is, that there can be a change within it to become more biblically centered and Christ-centered and Jesus-centered in the lives of the believers. All right, Barbara, first-time caller from Meridian, Idaho. Barbara, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, yeah, I, um, I had a question because I'm in this situation. Um, I am a born-again Christian, praise the Lord. Um, I have an ex-husband who is um, LDS, and uh, we have an eight-year-old son, and he um, has stated that he wants our eight-year-old son to be baptized in his church. And 
my son has told me that he does not want to be baptized in his father's church and doesn't even want to go to his father's church. And my fear is that his father is going to go ahead and do it behind my back, whether his son likes it or not. And I'm just wondering, is there any kind of a spiritual stronghold that would, you know, that my son would have because of this? Barbara, you probably get a lot of different answers depending on who you're talking to, uh, but my view is uh, no. My view is, uh, you know, if he baptizes him, uh, you should just say to your son if he baptizes him, do you mind if you go into a swimming pool with your dad and he dunks you under the water? <laughs> and then your son will probably say no and to say, well, it has about the same significance for a young boy who doesn't want to be baptized by somebody in that in that church, uh, I wouldn't give it any credence. I wouldn't make it a big deal and realize that when he's ready to be baptized as a sig sign that he is going to follow Jesus because his spirit tells him to, that will be the legitimate one. Okay. I wouldn't worry about it at all, Barbara. Great. Okay. All right. All right. Well, thank you very much. Praise God. You have a good night. You too. Oh. All right. Bye-bye. We're going to Alan in South Jordan. First time caller on line two. Alan, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yes, um, I read about a prophet in, let's see, in the book of Acts, named um, Ag Agabus, uh -huh. who was um, signified by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And uh, inspired, inspired by the Lord. Um, yeah. Did Paul and Peter respond to Agabus? Did they have to answer to Agabus? I, I don't know whether they did or not, but I, I do know that the Word of God says that. Um, um, he was signified by the Spirit and uh, prophesied by the Holy Ghost as, as the Holy Ghost gave him utterance. Absolutely. Believe in prophets who do that. Mm -hmm. no, no problem with that. Uh, after the time of, <coughs> of John. Yeah, no problem with that. Good, good. Yeah. And a related question about uh, all the apostles mentioned after the Twelve, uh, Barnabas, uh, Sylvanus, uh, Timothy, James, what about all these apostles mentioned after the time of Matthias? Barnabas is uh, called a, uh, an apostle. Um, is that true? My scriptural scriptorians back here, is that true? Barnabas called an apostle? Yeah, these guys are called apostles if you want some references. Yeah, give me, a, give me one reference. I, you might have you caught me on this one. I didn't know Barnabas was called an apostle. Let's hear what the reference is. Maybe you've... Uh, all right, in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6. Uh, James, the Lord's brother, is called an apostle. J well, James, the Lord's brother, was an apostle. Okay. Um, Where's Barnabas? Give me the Barnabas one. I don't know where that is. You, you may have stumped me here. Okay, that's in Acts. Um, let's see. Acts what? Acts. Uh, or no, no, it's not Acts. I'm sorry. You may have stumped me. Um, I, don't, I don't think I stumped you. I, I, I've just never heard that reference. So what's the point? I just don't think anybody who wasn't a, uh, a, a first-hand witness chosen by Christ, like Paul, like Peter, I don't think any of them were called apostles, brother. I'm sorry. And I think that they had a special purpose at that time. Well, uh, Paul introduced himself and uh, Silas and Timothy as apostles in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. Let's go to it. Let's see what that is. You, you, maybe we're back to you stumping me. 1 Thessalonians. Is that in the New Testament? Just kidding. All right. Yeah, uh... 1 Thessalonians 1, 1. Uh, 1, 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus 
unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, colon, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. No apostle mentioned there. Okay. Uh, maybe, that's, uh, maybe that's the one I wasn't... Uh... Well, anyway, what's the point here? You th you're saying that apostles continued on in a hierarchy that lead the church today like the uh, LDS uh, pertain, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just not true. Sorry, man. Well, uh, I think it is true. I know you think it is true, but you got to kind of show me uh, some, some historical documents and that shows that they were apostles, and I don't think you can do it. But I appreciate your call, man. We're going to move on. Okay. God bless you. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to Randy in Taylorsville. Randy, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey. Hey. Go ahead, Randy. you got to turn your TV off, brother. All right. Hey, how you doing there? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, I just uh, like to elaborate. Uh, we, we have no need for a prophet because uh, we get the revelation from the Word of God, and uh, when you speak the Word, you're you're speaking prophecy, and you get revelation from the Word because it's it's not just a fossil record; it's it's a living word. It's a living word. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh... You know, this really, this is also leads Randy to a question to the Christian audience. Is there revelation today? That's a big one. LDS want to know from the Christians, is there revelation today? And uh, I would throw that out to you if you have a comment on that, call us back, because uh, I have some, some thoughts on that, and uh, we could go there. Is that it, Randy? Yeah, thank you. Thanks for calling, man. God bless you. Bye-bye. We're going to Adriana, line four, first-time caller from Salt Lake City. Adriana, you're on Heart of the Matter. Adriana? Adriana? Yeah, I'm here. All right, Adriana, fire away. Okay. My question to the LDS members, um, the prop, there's a prophet, right, that speaks for the whole world. I'm wanting to understand. Martin Luther King Jr. spoke that he had a dream that we all would be equal, white, black, Etc. alike. Sitting in church together, equal rights. During the time of his dream, they, their leaders had an opposite vision. So, not one word of Martin Luther King's dream have fell to the ground. It has come to pass, and we are living his dream today. I'm not understanding the one who gets all of the visions, all of the revelations, couldn't get that particular revelation. Oh, I see your point. So what you're saying is there was an LDS prophet on the earth at the time. Martin Luther King gave a, a, a speech that talked about he has a dream where black men and white men and all men would be, would be equal, sitting in churches together, etc., but the LDS prophet didn't receive that vision or dream until later. Right. I understand. Good point. It's a good question. That's a question from Adriana to uh, the crowd. And uh, if you have a response, listen, Adriana, turn your TV back on. We'll go from there. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. I, I don't want to. I, I'm an emphatic speaker. I don't want to pick on Gordon B. Hinckley. Every religion has their leaders. Uh, Gordon B. Hinckley represents good morals. He, uh, he represents a lot of very good things. 
And I, so I'm not picking on him as a man of morals and good leadership and someone who's trying to get people to live better lives. But I think that the church needs to progress from the old uh, ideologies that they are prophets like unto Moses. It's not biblical. They believe it is, but it's not. And it would be such a breath of fresh air for Gordon B. Hinckley to go in general conference or the next prophet after him and the apostles and say, you know, brothers and sisters, we've kind of come to uh, an apex here. And, and, and listen, take down the pictures of me. I'm a man from your walls. Take down your pictures of the edifices that we've erected around the world. And if you have to have a picture of something, you can put up Jesus. But open your Bible and establish a living relationship with God. We are here to help you. We want to help you along with the things of this life and, and whatever. But just take down the pictures of us. It's, we are fallible men. And you have the wrong idea of where man's, what man's role is in the life of a Christian. Okay, I would fall over dead. I'm not kidding you. Right here on the spot. If Chuck Smith uh, or or Billy Graham uh, ever said uh, praise to the man or had people stand or, or had songs sung about them. They just wouldn't do it. Good Christian men know that they are vile and they have only been saved by the grace of God. And we are fortunate to even have breath on this earth, let alone have a position of responsibility. I think it's time, high time, the LDS leaders Face up to it and do it. Okay, we're going to Terry and Ogden, line two. Terry, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, thank you, Sean. Uh, Welcome. Just, sir, just wanted to let you know I think you're the neatest thing since sliced bread, buddy. I uh, wanted to... Uh, About the same consistency, too, but go ahead. I <laughs> uh, just wanted to say that, uh, you know, the Bible does give us a way to test uh, uh, those who claim to be prophets, and uh, Deuteronomy 18, 20 through 22 tells us that if a prophet misses just one prophecy, that he is not a prophet of God. And uh, I believe that uh, Joseph Smith and many other LDS prophets have missed many. Yeah. And uh, there, was, uh, there was and still is, I believe, uh, people wandering around claiming to be prophets. But uh, aren't we blessed that God in all of his wisdom gave us a way to determine who is and who isn't a prophet? Amen, Terry. You know, it's interesting to me, outside of Mormonism, when you look at any group where a man starts calling himself a prophet, uh, it's really disastrous. You know, Waco or Jonestown or anywhere when they start saying, I am the prophet, uh, the guy uh, down south, southern Utah, Jeffs, Warren Jeffs. Absolutely. Uh, anyone when they start saying, the prophet, I'm the you know, we run into some big trouble. The LDS church skirted a lot of trouble after Joseph and Brigham Young. They got themselves into some issues, and they were lucky at that time and place that, you know, I think if Joseph and Brigham were doing today what they did then, you know, we'd have another Waco. But, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, isn't it too bad that the followers of Jim Jones and David Koresh and uh, a lot of other self proclaimed prophets, like you say, didn't use this test and uh, listen to Jesus when he said in Matthew 17, beware of false prophets. And right. uh, they come in uh, sheep's clothing, but inwardly are, they are ferocious wolves. Right. You know, it's just too bad that they didn't listen. But anyway, Sean, I know that you're busy, and I, wanna, I just wanted to interject that, and I'd like to say to our LDS friends, just check things out before for yourselves before you buy into something that means so much to your salvation. Uh, thank you again, Sean. Thanks, and, uh, Terry. God bless you. God bless you. Bye-bye. Just to let you know, the LDS, uh, in context of that scripture, that beware of false prophets, they say, well, if there's false prophets, that means there must be true prophets. And I want you to know that I agree with that. I concur with that. There are people who have the true gift of spiritual prophecy. 
Spiritual gifts are all through the Bible. Understand those and you'll understand where prophecy, excuse me, comes into play. We're going to Cornelius, first time caller from Payson. Cornelius. Sean. Sean. Hey. How are you, man? Hey, good. How are you? Not too shabby. Hey, um. I haven't heard that phrase in a long time. <laughs> hey, listen, I, I caught your show probably three, four weeks ago. I don't want to, I'm sorry to depart from the prophet thing. Uh-huh. Um, but three, four weeks ago, I think on your show, you made a statement about, I think someone had emailed you and asked whether a Mormon's belief in Christ was enough to get them into heaven. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm having a running debate with a few people on the Internet about that, too. Well, I think what, what you had said was that you couldn't necessarily say that their faith was not enough to get them into heaven. Is that true? That I stand by that, yeah. My question, then, is what's the point of your show? <laughs> well, the point of my show is to lead people to Christ and to try to get them to see the difference between Mormon theology and biblical Christianity. Now, Veil. Pardon me? So what avails? They're all going to heaven anyway. Okay, now you're putting words in my mouth. I have never said they're all going to heaven. I've never said all Christians are going to heaven. I've never said all anybody is going to heaven. I simply the same show, you did say... All Mormons are going to heaven. Having faith to check in Christ was enough to get you into heaven. Did you not say that? Did I say what? Having faith in Christ will get you into heaven. Yes, I did. Yeah. Then, presumably... A Mormon's faith in Christ would be enough to get them into heaven, so what is the point of pulling them away from their belief system? Okay, well, let's take it in, this into context, Cornelius, okay? I've also Your said... context. Okay, I've also said you have to be born again, all right? And that's why the title of our website and the title of the book is Born Again Mormon. I understand, but okay. isn't that undertaken with baptism? Okay, no, it's not. It's not undertaken with baptism. That's a whole separate issue. You can watch our show on baptism and see the points on that. But let, let's stick watch with, your show playing. Okay, well, let's stick with this point, okay? I don't believe that anyone can say that anyone else is going to hell. I think that is God's decision. And I am not going to say categorically that every Mormon on earth is going to hell. So a lot because of them are, so there's no point in A lot of them are. Well, listen, please. there's a lot of Christians who say they're Christians who are too. Let's just break down these, these ridiculous rules that you set up for yourself so you can exist in your, in your theological constructs. Listen, there are Mormons who believe in Jesus who have been born again. Get over it. They are in process of coming to understand him. And whether they, uh, where they are in that is up to God. It is not up to you or me. Sean, so grow up. Grow up, uh, dude. You suck, man. You suck. Excellent. Excellent. Now we get to the heart. I think you need to know the Lord, brother. All right. Let's go to Lisa, first-time caller uh, in Holiday, LDS. Lisa, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. Hello, Lisa. Um, first of all, I have to tell you something that's funny. I think it's funny that you say that people want to be mad at you because I'm active LDS, and I think you are the greatest TV show person on the air. <laughs> So, well, I automatically love you because you're, you're complimenting me. No, I'm serious. Just just quick little, anyway. Thanks. Okay, so the reason I'm calling is because you're talking about prophets. Yeah. And I've been having a huge problem lately with the whole Joseph Smith um, temple ceremony and being the exact same word for word as the Masons. Yeah. Um, I found that out because I went through tours and I've been on their website and I'm getting very upset with that, the fact that it's word for word the same. Yeah. And I was talking to your staff and he was saying, I was telling you about how I guess when he was about to die, he did like the, the Masonic rites, like right before he died and he didn't choose to do like anything, you know, 
He called out the Masonic call for help. Exactly. Yeah. That bothers me. I need your feedback on that. Well, he, uh, Joseph was really a uh, quixotic man. He was very intelligent, and he absorbed stuff from all different directions. And one of those later in his life was masonry. Now, interesting, interestingly enough, the Book of Mormon is much against masonry. They are against secret combinations, which was at a direct address against masonry at the time. So we got some real twisted stuff going on there. But in the end, yes, he did embrace it. They established uh, a uh, Masonic Hall in Nauvoo. Interestingly enough, they had the angel uh, with a trumpet blowing on the top of that, but he was, uh, he was horizontal and not standing up vertically on that Masonic temple. And uh, a book you might want to get, just so you can see. Have you been to the temple a lot, Lisa? Um, I've been to both Masonic and LDS temples and their websites. Wow. Well, then you probably are disturbed. <laughs> I understand. I w I've done that, thing, that route, too. Uh, Lisa, all I can tell you is that Joseph, in, in my book, I call him a great religious synthesizer. He borrowed from everything and everywhere to construct this thing called Mormonism. And definitely, if you watch our shows on the Temple, Temple 1 and Temple 2, you'll discover that so much of it came from the Masonic rites. And that's all you can say. I mean, it has nothing to do with what they did in the ancient Temple uh, of Jerusalem, Herod's Temple. Nothing at all to do with it. Right. Well, thank you for your feedback. It's, it kind of is exactly what I was thinking. So, How's your relationship with the Lord? <laughs> it's getting better every day. Praise God. In your show. So. Thanks, Lisa. You take care. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. We're going to John on line two, first-time caller. John, you're on Heart of the Matter. Okay. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, I'm all right. I'm, uh, I'm actually a former Mormon myself, but uh, the other Mormon who called up, um, he was referring to Acts chapter 14, verse 4. 14, I believe, uh, actually mentions that Barnabas was an apostle. Uh -huh. But, uh, I mean, I mean, I agree with, with, what, with what you're saying. Uh, just had to make that comment because I know what's going through his head. And in that, in that instance, though, apostles actually refer to as messenger and not as uh, the original 12. I think they're separate and distinct. Is that the Greek that you're uh, talking about in 14? Yeah, Acts chapter 14, verse 14 is what the, the, the Mormon who actually called up was trying to make a reference to. Acts 14, 14. Let's read that for the audience because we're on topic. Uh, it says, which, which isn't in the original, when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, heard of, they rent their clothes and ran among. Hey, good. Well, you, you proved his point, so you got oh. your point proven on there by a Christian, oh, no, by no, the way. Oh, I, so I'm not trying to. Sure. No, I know, I know. Uh, but I'm going to check this out, uh, and next week we'll talk about it. Okay, awesome. Enjoy your program. Thanks. Hey, thanks a lot. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. We're going to Dave, first-time caller on line four. Dave, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. Hi. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to talk with you. I enjoy your show. I'm an LDS. And what I was going to say is, uh, on the point of prophets, there's been two prophets, Joseph Smith and Bruce R. McConkie, actually an apostle and a prophet who have proclaimed publicly, and it's in the record Rick, that you're aware of, that they were with Christ, yeah. okay? And so that there have been public uh, uh, statements made as such, and there's been others, and I can find others for you. Uh, I just want to know your comment on that. They, they are in the public record. Uh, there has been journal entries made, and the members of the Church can confirm these things through the power of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, the... Uh... My, my thought on that is that Bruce R. McConkie, uh, I'm amazed he didn't say he met God the Father himself. Uh, sorry, Bruce. 
Uh, Bruce is dead, by the way, so no disrespect. But, uh, you know, we have two. How many prophets and apostles have there been? How, why well, don't there's, why, there's, there's at least 13 existing prophet apostles. Why don't they why don't they make it uh, just a regular common understood thing among the members that they that they talk to God face to face as Moses did uh, as the scriptures say that they have a personal witness of Jesus Christ. Why don't they get up and say that? If they are, then more power to them. Stand up yes, and they, make They do and you know they, that you They know do that not do that. You know that they don't. Don't say they do. They do not do that. What they do is they let inference float around the church members. You know what? I know that the apostles see Jesus. Okay, what about the Holy Ghost? What about the Holy Ghost? Well, everything that comes out of the mouths of the prophets and the leaders of the members of the church is supposed to be confirmed by those members in prayer through the Holy Ghost. Okay. Every single... And how, how do you tell what they're saying is confirmed by prayer is the Holy Ghost? Or a bad lunch that you had. How do you tell which is which? Well, you know you know what the identification of the Holy Ghost is. You've got it right there in the. Tell in me the how book. you know. Just tell me. Don't tell me. I've got it. Just tell the audience. This is a show. They're listening. Well, the audience, the audience should know that the Holy Ghost uh, is the Spirit of Truth. Yeah. And witnesses the truth of all things. Okay. So it, it and comes how, to how you do with you, the feelings of, and Christ says, the feelings of peace. Okay. So through the feelings. Comfort. Okay. So how do you differentiate? Go down a list of, of adjectives that describe the feelings of the Holy Ghost, okay. and they can use the Bible to okay. to seek and find the Holy Ghost and the power of the Holy Ghost. Okay. Now, the Doctrine and Covenants and other books in the Mormon Church have other descriptions, but there are descriptions in the Bible to describe the feeling of the Holy Ghost, okay. so they can recognize that as as God guiding them. Next time, okay. Next time, next time, make sure you give us all those feelings and those references for the feelings instead of from just giving, the scripture. Well, you already mentioned one on your show tonight. The, okay, you the let, let me speak now. How do you know the difference between the feelings that the Holy Ghost gives you, the feelings that what your prophet is saying is correct, versus the feelings that the Jehovah's Witnesses say that M, uh, uh, that Taz Russell was saying was correct? How do you right. know the difference? The spirit of all. The Holy Ghost Witness is all true. The, the, they say that the Holy Ghost witnesses to them that what they have said is true. Right. So how do you tell the difference? Well, the LDS religion. The people at Waco were burning in a building, and right. they said and the they Holy Ghost. Truth. Yeah. The Holy Ghost told yeah, them that Koresh was something went Wait, you're cutting me off. Picture. I let you talk. Let me talk. Something yeah. went wrong. What went wrong is they stopped following this, and they started following men. And so you can come up and you can say it's by these feelings and you know, listen, you're just given another ridiculous comment that has no bearing. The Bereans searched out the word. The word was given by God and it's for truth. Your feelings are so liable to be being misinterpreted that you cannot tell anyone to trust their feelings. You have to rely on the word and anything that's in conflict with the word is not of the Holy Ghost. So what about, what about people that get get prophecies on their own they have to know that they're from god those prophecies people in the christian world do get prophecies those prophecies they know that by the holy ghost they those prophecies have to be in line with the word they have to be if they're outside the word they have absolutely no bearing and let me tell you being fair the christians come up with some wacko stuff too that say it's a prophecy and it's insane so you know let's just be fair but it has to conform with god's Word, his living word. It doesn't conform with your feelings. All right, I gotta hit it. You've got a good call though. I liked it. Thank you so much. We're going to Deborah on line one. Deborah, first time caller. You're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Hi. John. Yes. 
Hi, Sean. This is Roxanne from Meridian, Idaho. How are you tonight? Good. How are you? Fine. Well, I just want to tell you that um, I am LDS, but that I, I've, listen, I've been listening for about probably three weeks now, something uh -huh. like that, uh -huh. um, off and on. And I just wanted to tell you that um, I love you as my brother and that um, we all have our own opinion, you know, kind of thing. And um, I just wanted you to know that because um, I, I was hearing people talking uh, tonight. Is this guy, I, I hear him talking. Am I talking over him or anything? No, or? This, you're not live because you're in Idaho. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, Roxanne. So you're uh, calling a show that's being filmed, and you're going to see it in a few weeks. Oh, okay. So what I'm calling about actually is just to let you know that um, I am LDS and that um, that you know they were talking about tonight on the the thing about how how uh, my father and Jesus Christ and that is one. Uh huh. And my thing is, you know, when John the Baptist talked to um, Jesus Christ when he baptized him. Yeah. And then the dove came, you know, into heaven and said, "This is my son who I'm well right. pleased in." Right. Kind of thing. And so I was kind of wondering, and I came out how um, you came to think that, and you know, we're all entitled to our opinion, because to me it seems like Jesus wouldn't be talking to him. You know, God, Jesus. The old ventriloquist question? Huh? Is it the old ventriloquist question? No, 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 no. I'm just being honest. You know, I, know, I'm you, a... I know you are, Roxanne. You know what? Unfortunately, we have 50 seconds less, and you're asking me kind of to explain why I believe in a trinity. And uh, <laughs> it's a huge thing, but we do have a show on the concept of God, go uh -huh. to that, and I'll try to answer you another time. You can email me, too, and let's try it that way. We're down to 30 seconds. Oh, no problem. Okay. I really appreciate your time. God bless you. God bless you. Bye. Bye. A great show. Uh, had some really good calls, insightful stuff. Just want to uh, thank you for tuning in. Next week, we're going to talk about priesthood, and uh, God bless you. We'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter. I'm on a ride, going nowhere I am an existential cowboy on the wind And I won't be coming out, I'm going in This man's awake a storm's arising, the dawn's awaiting till a hundred monkeys know. And I can feel the light filled monkeys start to.